All right, see if you can guess this week's Animal of the Week by this little hint here. Okay, are you ready? Open your ears. Yes, get those orifices opened. Here we go. Humble, humble. We are one. We are one. We are more than we are. We are like the ascent stars, one family under the sun. And tears of pain, tears of joy, one thing that can't be destroyed is our pride deep inside. We are one. <laughs> Okay, if you do not know that song, we are not friends. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We, we can still be friends. But I'm like, you really should know that song. And that should definitely be giving you all of the hints you need for this week's Animal of the Week. Um, but maybe you are just tuning in. Maybe this is your first episode and you have no idea what's going on. So hi, hey, welcome to the place. Yes, the podcasting space. Yes, is the boom a boom 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 a what is the boom a foolish is the place to be. And I want to welcome you. My name is Jalen, but you can call me Jay, and my pronouns are they, them. I am your host, and this week we got a fun episode. So let's get into the gigs, girls, and non-binary people, and um, masculine, and men as well. First trans men, and trans mask people, and then cis men. Okay, um, now that everyone feels welcome, <laughs> let's go. song was um the title of that song is we are one sang by simba uh one of the original members of the pride um of pride rock yes um son of mufasa uh husband to nala son of sarabi um nephew of scar um, breaker of rules, the rebel, you know, Simba and Cher really have like a lot in common. Yeah, you heard that right, Cher, like, Cher, <laughs> you know, uh, the rebel. Anyway, um, as you can tell, I've been watching a lot of Drag Race. So <clears throat> that being said, that should definitely give you the clue ooh moment. It's literally in the name Lion King. Uh, so this week's Animal of the Week, yeah, you guessed it, it is Lions. And, okay, a couple things. You might be like, oh, lions. Lions. I know it's Leo season. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, it is Leo season. So, mm -mm -mm, eat up all that good, good, good overconfidence that just be spilling out of so many of us. Because too many people... I was having this conversation. I had a friend over the other day. And they were like... Nervous to like ask me questions about my life, and they were just like, "How do you come up with questions?" And I was like, 
well, you have to want to know information about the other person. <laughs> like, what? And I, they, I guess they were, like, in their head about, like, what questions that they were going to ask and things like that. But I'm like, y'all really, like, I, please take some of the confidence. If it's, like, even it's to the point of asking questions, like, if at the end of the day, you can ask a question that maybe upset someone or you could ask a brilliant question, but you're not going to know until you take it out of your head and put it into the real world. Like y'all can't be doing all of this mental gymnastics, all of this cardio mentally, like exhausting yourselves. And you don't even actually put anything out into the real world. I'm like, whoa, whoa. You're going to be damned if you do and damned if you don't anyway. So might as well just step into it boldly, step into it proudly with your full chest and recognize that if you make a mistake, well, hey, that person that is letting you know that you've made a mistake has probably made a mistake too. And we're all just what, what, what? As Kalechi says, dickheads in recovery. So do not fret, do not frown. Making a mistake is just a way that you are literally getting a cheat code. You're like, oh my God, life is literally giving you the, the literal cheat code in that moment to be like, hey, hi, um, we actually want you to make this improvement right now. We don't want you to do it over the span of like three months. No, we're making this person tell you that this is a mistake and you're going to feel awkward, awkward, and then bam, you're going to level up. Bam, you're going to improve. Bam, you're going to move forward into the next situation with what? More consideration, with more knowledge, with more what? confidence in how you can properly and it's not properly is such a loaded word too because it's not even properly but how you personally can manage the situation right so leos yes lions the lions of the zodiac sign and of course this week's lion is it just any lion no mama she is icon Icon. You know Jaden Smith's song, Icon? I'm just an icon, live it. Start a record label, Miss just, Miss Fitz just did it. Woo! Like, I really need to know the lyrics of songs before I start singing them to y'all. I just be like getting too riled up. Anyway, this lion is a true icon. And why is she an icon? Well, because, not just because she's out here doing her bits up in Kenya, specifically in Nairobi, but right? She actually is trying to make moves as coming through as Urban Lion Supreme, as being like, you know what? <clears throat> I know we still got maybe a couple more decades before we're there, before we're there, but as uh, the advocate for Urban Lions and Urban Lionesses, I really would love to get the ball rolling on this. You know, she saw the way that humans started going about climate change and she was like, y'all really were not proactive enough. And so she's like taking it upon herself to be like, mm, work, okay, let me just start getting my body, my presence, my aura all up into your urban spaces. So yes, if you couldn't already tell, <laughs> we're talking about an urban lion case. Yes, yeah, so actually it happened like just two days ago. So this was on July 28th in Nairobi. So wildlife authorities um, had captured a lion that had apparently, you know, started to set up shop in a residential area. So it was actually in a town um, south of the capital of Nairobi. So the Kenyan Wildlife Service, also known as KWS, said that members of the public had alerted them of the lion's presence in the morning, um, which then, you know, prompted the authorities to send in rangers and a veterinarian to the site, which I love. Conservation service officers, 
of British Columbia, those dealing with Stanley Park conflicts, maybe you could take a note or two from the Kenyan Wildlife Service because they successfully removed, they were successfully darted, immobilized, and removed a lion. L-I-O-N, capital L-I-O-N. Like a lion, bish. And you're out here just being like, shoot, kill the coyotes. Kill them all. I'm sorry. I, mm, again, we've talked about the nuance. We've talked about the complexity of that situation and as it's unfolding. But y'all, y'all, take note. Take note from Kenya, specifically the Kenyan Wildlife Service, because they be out here doing bits and bops on every day that ends with why. How are you telling me you out here going to be going and extracting a lion successfully, perfectly, with no higgy haga, hickey, mickey, mickey mistakes? Mm. But those and them wayward ones of mine in my province are like, coyotes. It's just too much. We just, it's too much. So that's um, that's kind of where we're at for Animal of the Week. Um, they actually released a statement. So the Kenyan Wildlife Service released a statement. The, um, it was a sub-male lion and was spotted stuck between a concrete wall um, and iron sheets in Ungata Rongai, uh, which, again, is that area um, just, just to the south of the capital of Nairobi. And I am just so happy that they were able to successfully not only immobilize the lion, um, but they were able to also do some collaring and release it back into um, a nearby park. So there were actually videos that were posted on the KWS's Twitter account, um, and it showed their, their team wrapping the tranquilized lion in a canvas sheet and loading it onto a vehicle before me being moved away from the residential area. Um, so we should like note, you know, like human settlements, they will continue and have been for time encroaching upon these natural spaces, right? And this is also evident within, you know, the motherland come through. Um, so human settlements, especially, you know, around Nairobi's National Park, um, and the sort of game reserve uh, near within the capital city that has that has it continues to develop, and as you know, our population continues to increase, as urbanization continues to expand, we are going to run into more and more of these interesting types of urban conflicts and inter- not necessarily even conflicts, but urban wildlife interactions and just the presence, right, of a broader diversity of species, especially at this sort of, what you could say is kind of like this, um, it's it's weird. I don't like to use the word pioneer, I, so I won't use it here, but it's more like you're in it, the c- cities are in this very expansive stage, right, this stage of rapid sort of growth, expansion, production, right? And infrastructure being buildings, being expanding roads, being expanding the overall range of their municipality, right? And at the same time, climate change is driving wildlife, right? Out of these, out of their traditional, or not traditional, out of their historically available or suitable um, climatic areas, right? And that's because entire climatic envelopes are shifting as temperature changes over time as to entire like envi- like we we know how climate change is working right and so the ways in which uh, well the ways <laughs> just me like gagging myself right now um the ways in which right that 
we are seeing this kind of, it's like a double push, right? We as humans, we're pushing out and then animals are coming out themselves of their own area. So on the precipice, right, on the border, on the perimeter, we're going to get more and more of these types of situations. And it's like, y'all, given our track record, we just slay and dismay. We wile and beguile, we transfix and betwix. And then the animals are usually the ones out here bearing the brunt of our expansion and of our greed. And so to be honest, I really love stories like this where they're like, no, no, mama, lion, mm -hmm, okay, we got you. Let's just take it to a two. Granted, if there was like five lions, would they be able to still do this? I don't know. I I, I strongly believe in, in the capabilities and the and the handling of um, these sort of interactions by the Kenyan Wildlife Service. But again, it's like this town south, south of Nairobi, this is not going to be the only case, right, of this happening. And again, it's like lions are not going to be the only like somewhat large, somewhat predatorial species, not somewhat, very much a predatorial species that are going to be sharing space with us sooner or later. So it's like, y'all, when I say we need to be, when the research that I'm doing with my master's, when I say that we need to get proactive in understanding the full suite of behaviors that animals exhibit, not only in proximity to humans, but within human spaces so that we can begin to quantify, so that we can begin to map and then effectively plan out our urban spaces with wildlife in mind. This is, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. So shout outs to Nairobi, all of it. Yeah, shout, shout outs to the whole, the whole crew up in Nairobi. And um, just super excited by the story. I'll go ahead, you know, this will be the little sources for this will be available over on the Patreon. But you know, I think it's time that we now jump into digga 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 what 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 66 mm -mm. i want a 626 um again if this is your first episode maybe you are not aware 626 is in reference to lilo and stitch experiment 626 with stitch's official title and it is a homage to um my introduction into the love of science thank you what was his name? He had like six eyes and he was like the scientist responsible for making Stitch. What was his name? Was it like Gamta? Scientist for Stitch. Y'all, I'm just going to search this up right now because this is going to bother me. What's his name? What's his name? Oh my gosh, they show me images of him. Jumba! Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't so off. I feel like I said Jumba, right, y'all? Isn't that what I said? Mm. Okay. Well, that was Animal of the Week. We're moving into 626. And this week, 626, we're keeping it quick ear because it's still pride. And even though you do not have a rainbow flag, you're still going to get what? What? Pretty, pretty, pretty pride D today. Um, so, so these little jingles really just, I don't know where they come from. Um, maybe Satan, maybe God. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> maybe it actually comes from, maybe it's like Medusa. I feel like I have a link with her, you know? Like, 
loves snakes um, and, you know, doesn't really fucks with, you know, wayward cis men. So I can understand Medusa. Also, Poseidon was the one that was like, the one who's causing her all this drama, and I don't really like being in the ocean at night by myself, alone. So, you know, that just goes to the quote-unquote safe space Poseidon is quote-unquote making, and you know what? That's why I just feel connected to Medusa. So maybe these little jingles are coming from you. Shout out Medusa for these songs. I didn't know you were so singy-songy in your life, but I appreciate you using me as a conduit here on this podcast. All right. (laughs) <laughs> y'all like y'all like what in the witchcraft is going on here don't ask me okay yes i'm a scientist but i also am a i like to live in a world of possibilities and um hyperbole so yeah Let's move into 626. I feel like I'm just rambling, rambling moment for y'all. Okay, so let's, today's 626 is going to be, again, keeping it queer. I feel like we've talked about uh, crisscrossing fish on the podcast before. We've talked about fish that have, like, been able to change sex before. But I want to um, really give you, like, a really good example. Because this week I had to give a presentation to, I was so nervous, y'all. I had to give a presentation um to my lab group and because it's pride i wanted to like talk about like queer ecology talk about some of the papers that i've been like reading in regards to like expanding my knowledge in queer ecology why do i talk like this sometimes i'm just catching myself in regards to apropos of i'm like i'm tired of myself so let me just try and keep it a little bit more um 100 but I came across this next paper, which is about the uh, blue streaked cleaner wrasse, also known as Males Labrodi Dimitiatis. And I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast once or twice. No, not like in detail, detail. Um, before, I feel like I've just mentioned it on the podcast before. And so I really wanted to go in this episode one explain the like behavior behind this fish Two, explain the sort of methods like what they were able to do with this research and then three kind of just discuss what that all means right so kind of going through those that that classic format of a scientific paper right with the intro your methods moving through into your findings and then in the discussion right before your conclusion uh, that being said i don't think you have to like if you're a scientist and you're listening to this like you don't have to write your papers like this i personally don't like i like to do like an intro that is then kind of bled into a method section um i do like to have like very clear outlined methods for how i process like the data and how i went about like field work um, but I do like to incorporate some of my methods into the intro so that it's it's like a little bit more smooth. Um, then I have like all my results, which I present, like my findings. And then I just have like a massive discussion. I don't really do a conclusion per se. I like to like wrap it up in the discussion. But um, I guess that is kind of standard format. Mm, yeah, it's kind of hard to break too, especially within STEM because it's like people your papers are only going to get accepted if you write it in a certain kind of way. And it's like, you'll find actually the paper that we're going to be reading today, it was written at a time, I think, before this like standardized structure was the expectation in STEM. And so, and that wasn't even that long ago. Like this paper was written in the 70s. I know y'all, I usually keep it in like the 2020s. 
uh, or the 2010s at least, but this paper was, is one of the most commonly cited um, papers across literature for queer ecology. So both in like Joan Rugarden's book, um, Biological, or sorry, Evolution's Rainbows, and in um, Biological Exuberance by Bajamel Mihil or Bajamel, Bruce Bajamel, that's his name. Yeah, Bruce Bajamel. So this paper, first and foremost, I should like tell you what it's called. <laughs> We've just been like dancing around the whole thing. It's called Social uh, Control of Sex Reversal in Coral Fish. And it was written by, who was it written by? Um, it was written by D.R. Robertson in 72. So, we're going to just kind of talk about what does this mean? Well, first and foremost, let's talk about the fish, right? So this cleaner race fish is a species that is um, socially, like how it's arranged is hierarchical. So kind of the way that humans have been trying to do it, unthankfully to you, straight cis white men, trying to arrange this fucking wayward hierarchy within humanity. And I'm like, no, thank you. I don't want that. Anyway, um, these cleaner race fish have a hierarchical structure in that um, the largest fish dominate the smallest within a social group, and it then is also associated by gender. So this is interesting, too. I'm like, wow, maybe they took too many notes from white men who were traveling into the Caribbean back in, like, the 1800s. <laughs> re slave trade. Okay, so <laughs> getting back into, I feel like, wow, ADHD is popping off today. So we are going to talk about the like sort of social structure of them so they kind of like just swim around in these like little pods with like a dominant large male kind of like overseeing this let's just say let's say there's like a circle right and so all though maybe like a, there's like a harem of like five femmes and then there's like one large male who usually has a habitat in like the center of the circle. Now the femmes will have their habitat sprinkled around this dom male's habitat. Okay. And the femme, the femme that's like the largest and most dom will actually have a habitat like just right next to the dominant male. So the dominant male will actually go around, check on like the borders of this like circular kind of like habitat they've set up, check on all the different like other little nooks that the other femmes in the harem have like established for themselves. And this is like the constant. So what this mask fucking guy does is goes around and just like bullies everyone essentially be like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, are you here? Hey, oh, just checking in on you. Just like the most like helicopter partner you could ever imagine. And it's like honey, go live your life. Like, go and see a movie by yourself. Like, go and take yourself out to a restaurant. Not every day I need to be here. But no, this is how the behavior is socially arranged. Anyway, so what then triggers this sex role reversal? Well, when the male, the dominant male of a group is killed or well, in, in natural, just natural cases, it actually will always be killed or it will die maybe of natural causes. Um, and so what happens when the dominant male is killed is that dom female who had like her little area closest to the dom male actually then become, will change sex first behaviorally. So within like an hour and a half to like two hours, that dom female then starts to act 
act like that dog male. She starts to like swim around the circle, starts to like check in on all the femmes, starts to be like, hey, what are you doing? Starts to swim around the border of their whole, like their groups like area, their groups like circle being like, oh, who's trying to step in here? Who's trying to, you know, who's trying to come to? And so it's just really cute because the death of the dominant male actually empowers that behavioral change like so rapidly like so 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 quickly so then right let's well let's talk about the paper like what were they actually able to do so they were studying these fish over like a two-year period like 25 months and they had i think their population size they they were actually the paper was specifically about 11 groups um, that they like a cho chosen to like specifically observe. There were other groups that they, I think eight other groups that they like talk about in the study, but they, they didn't include them in their data analysis. So what they were able to find, right, was that 48 sex reversals took place across this like two year period within these 11 groups. And we know, right, that these groups are arranged socially from that dominant, like, sort of male. So we're like, okay, well, how did you observe 48 sex role reversals? And in most, it, in all, but I think it was, like, four cases, they um, artificially induced the sex role reversal by removing the dominant male from the group. So uh, ethically, I don't know how they got approval for that. But, yeah, they did that. And then they were able to tr do all of this really interesting quantification of, like, the time it takes for the behavior to actually change. Then they actually looked at the anatomy changes. So let's talk a little bit about their, one, their methods, and then two, their findings, right? So if we go into their methods a little bit more deeply, we find that, oh, girl, no, sorry. I'm just like not able to use my computer today. Um, we find that they, yeah, observed 11 groups. They did that like artificial removal. And what they were able to do is they were actually then able to, um, look at the anatomy changes of the females, of like the dominant females, and see how long it took, right, for them to um, be able to produce sperm. So this species has the um, just anatomy, the, the potential to have both sexual reproductive um, organs necessary or necessary to produce um, those different size gametes, so either eggs or sperm. And so what was really interesting is that they found um, that it took around, I think it was like, what, 14 days? Let me pull up. I have my notes if you want to like really get the data. It took around 14 days for them to fully switch so for sperm to actually be for them to be able to produce sperm but again it literally only took one and a half to two hours for that social behavior to change and then within 24 hours there was like a complete sort of assimilation um from like male to or sorry from female to male um this was also documented by the like switch in courtship behavior. So that was like this new male who was transitioning, right? Um, he was yet to like have, was yet to produce sperm, but started to like do the courtship exercises being like, hey girl, like how you doing? Like, can I take you to dinner? Do you want to have kids? Okay. And like starting to do this, go through the like reproductive cycles with the others in the harem. Now you're probably thinking like, what the fuck 
is this always, is this just happening? Like, is this just, is this just what the oceans just be doing? And I'm like, yeah, the oceans be queer as fuck. So that's first and foremost. But um, this isn't like always a successful thing. So like this sort of change of sex doesn't just like one and done, like, oh, and you're the dominant female. This is going to be 100%. Because we have to remember that the success of these new males, like transitioning is dependent on both the like, interactions that happen within the group like within the harem and then the interactions that happen from those coming from outside of the harem so what are examples right let's talk about some examples from like within group interactions so it's like do the females like accept this new transitioning male do they like do or is there a challenging female who's like no maybe actually i'm more dumb because they actually were able to they mentioned in the paper that there was one group that they found they had two um dominant females so they were actually co-dominant females and when the male passed um both of them transitioned and then the harem split so it's like there's there's going to be like this intercommunal kind of friction if your domination as this new transitioning male isn't secured like right away that being said, there's also that like sort of external pressure, right? There's like other males in the area who like when they see a male die, they're like, oh, okay, great, I'm gonna expand my harem. And then they try and like do some wayward shit and they come and try and like fight this new transitioning male, hint, 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 really like metaphoric of human society. And it's like, leave trans men alone, you fucking bullies. I don't need you to be entering into their space. They're figuring out what's happening within themselves and their own community. Let it. Let them be freaking wayward cishet, man. So it's just interesting um, that they've like evolved to have this strategy and that there are so, this is the gag too, is that there are, there's such a disproportionate amount of females to males. Like there are so many females of cleaner race that it's hard to like do male specific research so i think it's just really interesting that they were able to not only like get really distinct findings like uh, from just observing the behaviors observing how they would interact observing what would happen after this like change in the social hierarchy right but then they were able to quantify that with actual changes in the anatomy right with actually being like oh okay bam we have sperm able able to be released in 14 to 18 days after they start this sort of reversal process and it's important to note, right, that also um, these males, right, that die, they don't, they they leave like a, a vacuum is what I should say. It's, and so it's similar to when, I don't know if y'all have seen that, uh, it's like a video by David Attenborough or National Geographic or something. It's like the Hermit Clabs. I think I've actually made a post about it. Or, no, there's an earlier, in season one, there's an episode about it, the Hermit Crabs. Yeah, I've talked about this already on the podcast, but how when Hermit Crabs, like, co come together on the beach, and then the largest Hermit Crab is like, okay, time to move out of my shell, it's too small, I'm gonna move into this next big one, and it creates this chain reaction. Similarly, how, when you, like, arrange in, like, a social hierarchy, that's the same thing that happens within the harem, right? So, like, the male, bam, gets removed, in natural cases, it dies, and then this new dumb female comes into the place, and then by size, all of the other females in accordingly, like will switch 
and move into a different habitat space within their little group community that the other female who was more dominant than them in like the social arrangement of everything um, was occupying before. And so it's just really interesting that you have like not only this change in social behavior, but this community response as well, right? When that dom male passes away or is removed, that there's then that freedom to shift into more beneficial habitat for yourself. And I just think that, okay, work. Not only do trans men be out here providing new opportunities for other peeps in their communities, but we just love to see this example of, you know, queer queerness in nature. All right, that kind of takes us to the end of 626, and we are going to move swiftly into What's the Sitch? This week's What's the Sitch is actually going to be a little bit different. Um, but before we get into What's the Sitch, I thought we would hear a word from this week's show sponsor. So we'll be right back after these messages. All right. Y'all know I've been talking about this book for like a while now. We, I've been mentioning it up and down house boots. You Have you not got onto it yet? Have you really not checked it out? Thinking while walking? Thinking, yeah, maybe if I could maybe say it right, you would be able to check it out. Thinking while walking. Yes. Uh, the collection of essays and written prose from the mind of Martin Bunzel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. philosopher at Rutgers University, and this week's show sponsor. So major shout outs, big ups to you, Martin Bunzel, for sponsoring Zabuma Foolish and for writing this book. I'm honestly really impressed when people like are just able to sit down and like write a full book. I always get so in my head literally about an article, about like a research paper alone that I'm like writing. And then that's like only like a couple pages, like max like five, ten. A book? A book, Martin? Go off. So this is shoutouts to you. And if you haven't already checked it out, you can check the link over on my Patreon or in the show notes for this week's episode, which are, again, available on the Patreon. Thank you, Martin. And to future sponsors, you know what to do. Just reach me at jaunting.j at gmail.com. All right, let's get back into this week's What's the Sitch? So what's the sitch? All right. So for this week's What's the Sitch, I have a little situation. Yeah. We are saying goodbye. So long. Farewell. Goodbye, my friends. Tomorrow's another day. But hey, I say that it's okay because i see you very soon i know very soon i know yeah that's uh bear in the big blue house i don't know if you ever watched that show but that was a favorite the moon the bear and the big blue house uh so yeah like bear in the big blue house i'm saying goodbye 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 my friends goodbye and yeah, a little bit of a situationship is that we are done. Season two is over. <sighs> yeah, it felt time. It felt time. I was pulling um, some cards today. I was doing a little bit of a reading, trying to, you know, get a little bit more of some guidance around some introspection that I was feeling around 
Like, I'm just like, I'm do y'all, I'm doing the most right now. So I was pulling some cards and I was like, okay, how can I find a little bit of more clarity around like all these things that I'm thinking? So I went to, you know, my spiritual seasoning for the soul deck. Thank you, Kalechi Okafor, for making those. You put an incredible amount of energy, time, and love into these, and it really comes out in the cards. Um and today's card, I pulled card number eight. So it says, when you think of all the beautiful moments in life, remember to count this one. And that was a freaking message. It just, it just really hit me, right? Um, and she has a prompt here that says, so you're waiting for that big day, huh? That day, that day's perfect. The thing is though, that even with all the wild things you might be experiencing at this time, even this moment bears its own perfection. Find it. And the way I interpreted that was just like, this too is a chapter. This too is a freaking moment that I should be proud of in terms of like the development of my story. And I feel like for me, it's like this very tight chest, this like heavy, like hard to breathe moment just because I am like trying to establish so many things. So let me just like maybe pull a little bit back, right? Because we've started, we've y'all, we've been on this podcast journey for now a total of 28 episodes. I've started this kind of like public communication, social media phrase of my life in like December, right? That's like seven, that's like eight months, right? We started this podcast in January. So that's like seven months, right? And I'm very just proud of myself for not only like being here week after week, like coming through, giving y'all the goodies, giving you the tea when it comes to wildlife, when it comes to conflicts, when it comes to science, right? Giving you, so I've just also been so proud of like what we've been able to do. Thank, huge, huge thank you to you on the Patreon because it's because of y'all that we've been able to redistribute some of that wealth, right? And we've been able to have amazing guests like Solo Tiam, also Ariel Atherton, and you may remember them by um, Faith Morgan, Nicole Jackson, right? And I have so, I'm just plan. I've like reached out, I'm doing all this like planning, right? To get even more guests for y'all. Right. And I'm just so excited because I have people like I've been in communications with people like Aaron McGee, who you may know um, by their like social handles as Afro Herper. Also have Karina Newsom probably coming on. Um, you may know her as Hood Naturalist. Right. Um, and so and I also, OK, gag too. I know I'm popping all over the place. Forgive me. This is my ADHD. But I have. In this bizarre time, right, of like being in a panna cotta, being in this panchena, this panda replay, right, this pastrami on rye, this pandemic, I've weirdly been able to also connect with like mask and like men, like, like granted only black men, but it's just very like for me, I just am like, I don't know, like I've been very conditioned for a long time to like just perform masculinity around men and then when I started rejecting that like full hardly I just didn't know how to engage around them and I also just like it's just like I was able to like clock the ways in which they themselves were just being a little bit more like wayward around me and it just was like it's just I would for me it's just like the friction if I don't have to I don't I'd rather not and so um it's just been bizarre for me to like be able to like 
form some of these friendships like online as a result of like putting myself out there and like being hyperly visible and like just existing authentically as like this wildlife educator and I'm just gay. So I've been also been so specifically been able to connect with um someone by you may know them online by science with Tyus, um Tyus D. Williams. Um someone just got their PhD and then also this other person, Julia Victor, both like incredible black men um doing bits and bobs in the world of wildlife science and wildlife communication. And I'm really excited. I'm like, I'm really excited to potentially have them on too. And it's like all of these different people that I've been, just been in communication with all the people that we've been able to invite so far on the podcast, like all of this kind of growth in like community is really exciting for me, but it's also like, it was just very, it was, it was very telling. Like it was giving me very much a sign, like, okay, maybe I need to like, pause, stop, reassess, and really, like, get ready to start inviting people into this space that I've, like, developed for myself over these, like, over this half a year or, I guess, like, eight months now. And I'm just really excited because I'm like, it's not even 12 months, y'all. It's not even 12 months. And we're really about to, like, be doing bits and bops with, like, redistribution of wealth with like science communication with just like building wildlife communities and connections and i'm like ah i'm like getting excited but i'm getting like super anxious it's kind of like that like you know those commercials back in like the early 2000s would be like oh my gosh are you ready for disneyland like no my parents could ever afford that we will never go thank you for slapping that in my face all the time but it's that emotion where i'm like i feel like i would yeah i would be really excited i would be really excited to go to disneyland i would pipe myself up and just pretend that i'd be going to disneyland and stay up to like three in the morning and be like oh my god i'm fucking a gassed right now on adrenaline and uh then i'd be like oh haha you played yourself you invented an entire reality that does not exist um but this reality does exist and i helped to invent it and so i'm so excited and i'm like ah but again it's like i wasn't able to do this alone right i'm i've been able to do this because of people like you who listen to the podcast because of people um, maybe like yourself, maybe you're not, who are on Patreon, like supporting me in that way. People who have found me through social media, who've been able to engage with me. And all of that has really built my confidence up as not only like a communicator, but as someone who like feels as though I have something to offer, something of value at that. And that's really like catapulted me also into this new place where I've like been able to, maybe you've been following me on Insta, you've maybe recently seen, I just dropped the, my website for my new, like official business. So y'all, I've been talking about that like here and there on the podcast, but I'm very cautious about like how far ahead I like give people in terms of like my plans and like the dreams that I'm working towards, like, because you know, you never know who might be trying to like block your blessings, right? So I'm always trying to be like as cautious, but I also do want to share in like the process, right? And so I was just really excited to finally be like, bitch, you got a business license. You have your workplace insurance registration. You have everything in order. Launch the website, website launch. You have your programs offered. You have your events. You have the ways in which you're going to be offering different packages for people who are on social media. Like I'm just so excited to like be entering this like such intense growth for me and it's just like uh, like I don't want to get too gushy ushy but like I never thought ever in my life that I would um be able to like make my own business like that I would be able to 
produce something of value. I know that sounds weird, but I just for so long I've been conditioned, right, to think that I am just there. Like, I'm just, like, dressing. Like, I'm not the main thing. And that, I feel like, has really contributed to why I'm so extra and so over the top, um, especially also being the middle child, right? And, like, trying to be, like, doing the most to kind of be, like, accepted, right? And while that was a really powerful tool, or and, and even take it, let's take it further, right? To be unaccepted, to ultimately be loved. And now I'm in this point in my life where, yeah, that was a great tool to, like, get me to this wild place of, like, being able to self-drive and self-motivate and... Um, find humor with myself and do all these different things that I find of like really able to catapult me into the success that I have now. I'm no longer coming from it at a place of like performance or trying to like impress others or trying to do it for like other people. Like granted, I am doing this work f for me, but and for my community when it comes to like queer black people specifically. Um, but I'm not doing it in the sense of like say I'm not like the yes person I'm not the people pleaser I'm like I feel and I'm feeling so confident in that like I am giving the world a part of me that I am willing to share that people find value in that I am then also to like take and like create further community and further success with and it just I don't know. I'm really excited, really overwhelmed, really gagged, very emotional about the whole thing. And I'm like, I was having a little bit of a reflection over and it was like, in such a short amount of time, I've been able to produce so much, right? Like over on the Patreon, over a hundred exclusive posts, like go talking about over on the Instagram, like countless, you know, daily posts. And we go even over to like outside of like my science communication, right? Like y'all, I'm still, I started my master's, right? I've been like taking my courses, developing my research proposal, doing my literary reviews, like taking out of that, like training my cat to like walk on lead and harness so that I can like harness, sorry, so that I like don't like further perpetuate greater environmental harm by like having him out here just like killing cats and rodents and like, then, you know, just I, just I also fell in love this past year and like got my heart broken and then recovered. And I'm like, <sighs> and also found like, thankfully to my roommate Zipporah, shout out at Zipporah the Vegan, um, found Kalechi Okafor and her podcast, Say Your Mind, which has been exponentially expansive in terms of my growth, in terms of my understanding of myself, in terms of my self-development. Like all of these things have happened in such... It hasn't even been a year, y'all. And sitting here, even, like, seeing it out loud, I'm like, oh, like, what? Like, what? I'm just... To also being able to work with, like, incredible creatives like Andy, shout out to Funkle420 for creating the logo for this podcast, for For the Boom of Foolish, for, to working with artists like Kamau, like, the brother Kamau... Like that, he literally out here doing work. He works with Issa Ray. He like has all these albums dropped. Like I'm like, you are someone who I've been fangirling for so hard. I've been y'all like two in like 2015 when I fucking found his music. I like, or it was 2014. I like wrote him an email being like, "What do you need for you to come to Vancouver? Like, can I?" Can I book you? Like, what does what do you what does it need? And at the time, he was like, "I'm not traveling to Canada," but I was like. Oh, like, I, I just, I, then to, like, how you, you are on the podcast, you're here on the theme song, like, ah, 
ah, y'all, maybe it is the Leo season and the ADHD hitting, but I'm bouncing all over things and I'm feeling fire. And it's also like, oof, girl, take a second, take a moment, reflect on what it is that has been able to get you to this point, right? Where is it that I've been able to find successes? What are some of the lessons that I've learned? What are some of the ways I've had to change my communication in order to be more effective? What are the boundaries that I've sort of had to set? And a lot of this like like introspective work, this reflective work is tiring and hard without a therapist. Like, whew. But we are also, y'all, like the gag of this all, this is why I'm also so emotional is because like with help of the Patreon, with this growth, with all of these things, right? I'm finally at a point where it's like, I'm able to save money. And that might, like, that might not seem like a big thing to people who like grew up relatively in the middle class, um, maybe like you, or relatively like well off, but like I grew up really poor. Like, I don't want to say, I, I'm not trying to, I, obviously there, everything is relative, right? But it's like, I moved like well over 17 times before like grade six. I was living in like motel rooms with all of us on like one bed and my mom and dad on another. And like, we would shift from like motel rooms to motel rooms. Like we were living in people's bedrooms in people's basements. Like we moved around a lot. Like I, I childhood was rough for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't really talk about that much on this podcast. Like I've shared that part of my story over on Instagram. If you want to find out, you know, my, the whole runaway story, you can go over to Instagram and scroll down and you'll find the post. But I, I had a hard childhood and for so long, I just been like conditioned to believe that like, I wasn't ever going to get nice things, right? Like I could want them. I could like pretend, right? But I wasn't going to be someone who had access to money or had like something to like offer. Yeah. It really does fuck you up when you grow up just like struggle boots because so much is like just like again the performance of it like oh did i pass today what did people clock me like was how how am i gonna do this tomorrow like and i just i'm just like so emotional about the fact that like i'm now at a point in my life where like i don't like i don't feel like i'm living like paycheck to paycheck like I don't feel like I'm like I don't feel like I'm just one mistake away from like being homeless or like being out on the streets or like I feel like I'm just like and that is so stressful right for so to for like 26 years to just be constantly in this like survival mode of like you're just like one fuck up away from losing everything. And even that like still creeps up, like it still creeps up in the back of my mind, but I finally feel as though like I've, I've just, I've worked so hard. I was like, I'm starting to finally see like, it's not going to disappear. Like it's not going to disappear in like a moment or like as a mistake. And like you, you yourself, you recognize that you're growing. Right. And that everyone uh, too is growing. Right. 
And so, like, you can't, like, you can't just assume that one fuck up, one thing, one mistake, what have you, is going to have enough power to ruin everything that you've done, to ruin all of this, of this power that you've put out into the world, right? And, oh, it just gets me, I'm just so, like, I'm just so in my feels about it, y'all. Um, and so that being said, I'm, like, I, I feel as though this is the time is right for me to take a little bit of a step back, to take another moment to really take some time to deeply reflect, to deeply prepare, right? Look at what it is that has been successful and really move forward. Just even continue, just take this fire of energy that I'm sitting with, right? And use it to propel myself into the fucking stratosphere. And I, in order to do that, I think I can't be as off the cuff, as run of the, as willy nilly, right? As um, I usually tend to be, right? And so I think I'm going to take some time. We're going to say goodbye for a little bit of a moment, right? We're entering into the first couple weeks of August, which is really um, like the weeks leading up to my birthday, which is August 17th. And that when I say it's like, it just get it gets intense, Leo energy wise, like very, it's a lot. And so I feel like this is both a good thing for you. You get a little bit of a buffer. Um, for me, I also just to get like to exist a little bit more like boldly and just like offline. I'm going to take some time to do some planning. Um, for the launch of season three, which is also really exciting because it's going to be coincide or just uh, just after the launch of season three of my other podcast with Zipora, um, which is Goats and Oats, and I've been really excited for that because we've been been able to develop such a a really cool community and space with that podcast too, and I just ah, I'm just so in awe of like, bitch, you really are, and you are here, like. Take it, take some time, celebrate yourself. So I think I'm gonna go skydiving. I think I'm going to. Um, I saw like this thing on Airbnb about like a boat that I could like take for a day with some friends, and they'll like take you to all these different places along the coast, and like you can go swimming and have like a little vegan barbecue. So I think I'm gonna like do that for my birthday. Maybe go to a strip club. I've never been to a strip club before, and I've been watching a lot of P Valley, and that show is incredible and has really opened my mind to like not my mind but my eyes to like the world of performance dancing and like i'm about to go also do like a google performance slash like dance number thing um for this event this coming weekend um for level up which is like this uh black run well black and clear run um like event organization here in Vancouver. So I'm just super excited, super excited, but also feeling like I need to take a moment and then we'll just come back together um, in August. I think I'll be, I think I'll take maybe like a week or maybe two at the most, come back for maybe on the birthday. I'll like probably record it before and then launch it on the birthday. Cause you know, <laughs> Leo gotta get, <laughs> gotta redirect all that energy somehow. Um, so yeah, probably launch it on the birthday, but yeah, expect, um, just exciting and bolder and bigger things from season three. This also being said, y'all need to take us. Y'all need to take a second because 
For season three, I really need y'all to start sending me more of your wildlife stories. I've made it so much easier now. All you need to go to do is go to zaboomafoolish.com and just scroll to the bottom and there's going to be a little button that says submit your wildlife stories. And then it's going to take you to a little, it takes you to one other page and then you just fill it in and press send. And then I get it and then I read it out on the podcast and then bam, bam, community unity moment. So we love it. So that is something I'm going to request of y'all. I know I, I do, I don't, I feel like I don't really request a lot from y'all. Like sometimes I'm like, you know, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts or maybe check out the Patreon if your financial situation allows. But like however y'all want to show up for me, I'm just thankful for. Um, but and I, but that's the thing too, is like I want to be able to celebrate y'all too. I want to be able to bring y'all into this and pop off on the podcast together. So give me y'all stories. That being said, we do have a submission. Shout out to Kayla. Kayla uh, wrote in um, to the podcast. And so I want to read out her letter for y'all today. So Kayla writes, hello. Firstly, I love your podcast. It's my favorite podcast to binge during a long drive or while cleaning. You are so fun. I always laugh. And most importantly, I always learn something. I was catching up on episodes during a road trip this weekend, and the Do Foxes Eat Babies for Brunch episode reminded me of a video I've been meaning to send you. So this was a fox encounter in my neighborhood in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Wow, maybe I can't say that word ever, but here we go. Okay, sorry, sorry Kayla, I'm going to continue reading. Mm -hmm. um, so in Haverhill, Massachusetts, during my morning walk with the dogs around 9.30 a.m., we were doing our regular morning routine, and one of the dogs, Amina, was... Oh my gosh, Amina, that's so cute. Like amino acid, but Amina, oh my God. Okay, sorry, uh, ADHD. Okay, going back. Um, so Amina was trying to pull my attention towards a direction we never walk. Just as I was asking her what she was so interested in that way, I spotted a fox in the yard of a home directly across the street. The fox walked around the yard for a bit, then stopped and looked at us once it realized we were standing there. Uh, or sorry, sorry, it then stopped and looked at us once it realized we were standing there. Yeah, that's what you said. Um, the fox and the dog both just kind of like stared at each other for a while. And then the fox crossed the street and proceeded to walk down the sidewalk like they were just out for a typical morning stroll in their neighborhood. I only caught the last bit of this in the video because I was so caught up in the interaction and interested, plus cautious, of how the dogs were going to respond that I didn't think to take out my phone right away. I grew up in rural Vermont, so this was far from my first fox sighting. It was the first time I seen one in such a heavily populated neighborhood, though. I also really enjoyed seeing how the dogs responded to the sighting. You can kind of see at the bottom of the video that they are both just curiously watching this animal they've never seen before. Quiet and interested as can be, both of the dogs are pit bulls. Oh my gosh, interesting. Wow, I really can't wait to see this video. So I constantly hear comments about how vicious pit bulls are. Oh, pit bulls, girl, are vilified to the fucking end of this earth. Like, it is... Maybe we'll do a whole episode about that. But anyway, back to the letter. Um, they're incapable of being kind or gentle. No amount of training can suppress how inherently bad they are, blah, blah, blah. But both dogs were completely relaxed and quiet. And it really seemed as if they were also trying not to scare the fox away because they were hoping it was a friend to play with. Obviously, not sure if it's the same fox, but twice in the last week, we've also seen a fox in our backyard, very late at night. We have a family of wild bunnies living under our shed, so we were assuming it was hunting them. Anyway, hope you enjoy the vid, and you have my permission to share my name and any of this you'd like. Best, Kayla. 
Oh, Kayla, you, I honestly, y'all, when you send me these, like, it really just makes me feel so happy, so emboldened. And again, that freaking projection into the stratosphere, like, this is that energy that I'm transmuting, that I'm transfixing, that I'm taking and being like, oof, uh, mm, great. How do I then take this and make it more? Like, y'all really be giving me life when you be sending me these letters. So I love, 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 love that you sent me this, Kayla. I'm going to go ahead, um, I'm going to pop, I'm going to share this video over on the Patreon. Um, again, those of you who are over on the Patreon, you know about the safe space and the community that we're building there. But if you are new and are coming to the Patreon, just know that none of the content there is, um, you are not allowed to redistribute any of it, this. Um, because we do get submissions like this, where people are sharing wildlife interactions within their community or within their neighborhood. And just to, you know, respect everyone's privacy and to respect, just to be considerate of everyone's different needs and different boundaries, um, there is no, there is no resharing. That being said, uh, y'all can check out the Fox Interaction video over on the Patreon. Um, it will be available in the show notes for today's... Uh, no, it won't be available in the show notes because I have to upload videos separately. But I will um, link the website where you can go and submit your own letters and check out, you know, the full range of services now fully launched by my bestest. Hey, Zabuma Foolish Co. Um, so, yeah, you can check that out over on ZabumaFoolish.com. If, you know, you like the podcast, then share with a friend, tell someone, get them hyped, get them ready for season three, because it's just around the corner, y'all. And, you know, <laughs> if you're not going to share it with a friend, maybe leave a review or, I don't know, talk about it on your social media. I don't know, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to tell you what to do. You know, you, you know what's best for your life, you know, um, but those are some suggestions. And I think I want to leave the episode here. Yeah. This is kind of like an informal, impromptu, not really impromptu because I've been thinking about it for a while, but season finale. And I've just loved every aspect of this sort of growth with season two and getting to be here with y'all. And super thankful also to our podcast sponsor for this season, Martin Bunzel. We'll be coming back in season three. Also, courtesy of sponsors like Martin Bunzel and those of you over on the Patreon is patreon.com slash jauntingj. And if you want to just check out, you know, more of what's going on in the day-to-day, -day, checking out what I'm doing as I pass by these animals on the streets, head on over to Instagram, instagram.com slash jauntingj, or just open the app. Y'all know where I'm at. All the handles are the same on all the places, so you know what to do. Have a wonderful end of July. We will touch base in August. And until then, you know, as Simba says, Rawr! you know that scene when he's trying to scare the chameleon and he's in the um, he's in the gorge because Scar is tricking him to kill his dad, Gag. And Simba's just like, So yeah, just take that energy roar um, into August and we'll see you soon. Bye.